Good evening, everyone. My name is Bishop Giovanni Robinson, Sr., and I am the Senior Pastor for Divine Connection Community Church. I am also the Jurisdictional Bishop for the State of Florida for Divine Covenant Fellowship of Churches. I'd like to thank you for tuning in this week to our weekly broadcast, which is aired on the Daily Gospel Network every Thursday from 5.30 p.m. to 6 o'clock p.m. We ask that you support our ministry and our endeavors as we try to divinely connect the Lord's gospel around the world. This evening's message is going to be on faith. The title of it is In His Sight. Faith in His, in His Sight. Uh, before we get into our message, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, first of all, thank you. Thank you for giving me an opportunity, God, to be used by you, to be able to deliver your message, God, to your people. Lord, I ask that something will be seen, said, done, or heard, Lord, through this broadcast this evening that would touch the heart or hearts, Lord, of someone listening or seeing this message that would bring them to repentance, that they may take a look at their lives, Lord, and see that there's a void that only you can fill. I ask, Lord God, that as they give their hearts to you, Father, that your messengers that are out there, Father, will be sent to them to help continue to water, Lord God, what was planted in their hearts. I ask this in the mighty name of Jesus, Yeshua. Amen. Amen, saints. <clears throat> Faith in his sight. Faith in his sight. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right? The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the, of the deep. That's the first uh, two or three verses of the Bible uh, in Genesis, right? Pretty much everyone knows that. In order for us to get a concept about faith, we need to go back to the beginning, okay? God lives outside of time, right? We know God is omni, all. He's omnipresent, omniscience, and he's omnipotent, right? Omnipresent, God is everywhere at all times. Omniscience, God is everything, everything is God, and God is in everything. Omnipotent, God is all-powerful and all-knowing, okay? <clears throat> I don't say that lightly, but these are some concepts that for the majority of, 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 of individuals that are Christians believe and know this. For those that are not believers in Christ, then here, here's some revelation uh, for you. God is all of these things. When he created us, male and female, Adam and Eve, in the beginning, he set them inside of a garden. In this garden, God said that everything in here is yours. But there's one thing I don't want you to do. And here's what's the test for obedience. I don't want you to eat of the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, we're not going to get into the good and evil portion of it because that's a message for another day. But this one tree, I do not want you 
to eat of. On the day that you eat of it, the Lord said that you shall surely die. The day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Well, we know that Adam and Eve ate of that tree, right? And that can be found in the, the first chapter of Genesis. When they ate of that tree and God said that, yes, now that you've done this, okay, you, you will die, time started. Time started when Adam and Eve sinned. From that, before that point, there was no need for time. Time was, wasn't in existence. But when they did sin, now the, the earth now has a time limit, as did they have a time limit. Why am I giving you that concept right there? Number one is for us, for you to grasp this concept that God lives outside of something that we live inside of and that we in this physical body are governed by time. God lives outside of it. We are governed by it, our bodies. They have a shelf life, they will expire, okay? Now, that being said, let's get back to the omni, omnipotent, omniscience, and all uh, omnipotent, omniscience, and omnipresent, okay? The omnipotence, God is all-knowing and all-powerful, right? So you would say, well, then if God knows everything, then why did God do that, okay? Well, there's one thing, free will. The other, I want to see if they would, if they would obey. But knowing this, in the infinite amount of possibilities for these individuals to, to, to have expressed, I'm going to allow this to play out. This one possibility played out and they ate it, right? When they ate of that fruit, now God says, okay, death has been pronounced over them. However, I need to make a plan. This plan was to bring them back into eternal life, to get us back into a right standing. And that goes on the knowledge of salvation. When God said that they were going to die, he started to maneuver things in, the, in his time or in his existence to set things up to get us back to a right standing with him. Hear me out. He set things up, meaning that he started to orchestrate and put things in place. Now, mind you, this is the beginning. God is doing these things in his space, in his existence. He lives outside of time. So the things that he's orchestrating are outside of our comprehension physically. Now, let me give you a definition of faith. Maybe that will tie some of this in, okay? Now, we know from Hebrews, okay, 11 and 1, you know, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Let me give you along the same lines of that, a Webster's definition of it. Faith is confidence in what you believe as being true. Faith, confidence in what you believe as being true. Belief, belief is knowing that something is true or that it exists. Belief is knowing that something is true or that it exists. I gave you the definition of belief because people think that belief and faith are the same. They're not. They're actually 
belief is a precursor to faith. You have to have belief first, and then you move into faith. I use this analogy all the time when, when I'm at church and I have this little exercise where I ask people to stand up, and I've done it a couple of times, and then I have them to sit down, okay? And what I tell them after they've done that is, you just exhibited faith, okay? What I mean by that is that faith got them to that seat. And they say, okay, here's a seat for me. Or belief, rather, got them to that seat. Faith is what made them sit down. They didn't do a weight test, just like you, if you're sitting down watching this program of this broadcast right here, and you're sitting on the couch or wherever you're at, you did not do a weight test on the chair or the couch or whatever that you're sitting on to see if it would support or hold you. You just seen it. You believed it was a chair and that it was something that would hold you. Your faith is what made you sit down. I like to say that faith gets us to the airport. Belief gets us to the airport. Faith gets us a ticket on the plane. Belief gets you to the airport. Faith gets you the ticket to get on the plane. Okay. The Lord says that without faith, it's impossible to please him. Why? Because you don't have trust. You don't trust me that I know, number one, what I'm doing, and that I've already had this worked out. Let's, let's go to a scripture here. Uh, Isaiah 46 and 10. Isaiah 46 and 10. Isaiah 46 and 10, and it reads, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word, declaring the end from the beginning. Now, what does that mean there? It means that God is calling the end of things, telling you what will happen at the beginning. Faith is the future in the present. Faith is the future in the present. What that means is like how the word of God tells us to call those things that are not as though they were, as though they are. Which means even though you can't see it, you're calling it as though it is. Because it is there in the future. You just have to call it in the present. God doesn't allow us to go about our lives haphazardly. Our lives are predestined. Some people will, will, will argue that point, okay? But if they, if, if they believe in something bigger and greater than themselves, we believe in the, as Christians, the almighty God and his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior and the Holy Spirit, we know that God has everything already orchestrated. I am where I'm at right now because God knew I would be here. I just didn't happen to be here today talking to you and going through this message on faith without the Lord knowing it, without the Lord orchestrating this, 
without his Holy Spirit guiding me through this message to you for you to receive it. Faith, faith. Yes, it is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I went to the beginning of, or at the beginning of this message I started out with God living outside of time because it's irrelevant to God. God orchestrated everything. I know it's there. I just need for you to believe it. I need for you to believe that it is here in the future. I need for you to call it into the present. It's there. The chair is there, right? The future is you sitting on it. So all you need to do is what? Sit on it. When you sit on it, you've called the future to the present. Healing, right? Let's use that concept. For those that are going through illnesses or sickness or have been through them and they have been healed. I myself used to be blind, like physically blind. When I went blind, I stood on faith. I stood on God's word. I called those things that were not as though they were. I was not, I did not have my physical sight at the time I was calling it. I knew that I would have my sight because I was calling those things in the future. I seen myself with my sight. I stood on the Lord's word and I called it into the present, the future into the present. God has already orchestrated. He's already giving it to me. All I have to do is step into it. God is in the future waiting for us to catch up to it. Everything we need is there. We just have to pull it into our present. God doesn't make it up as we go along. It's already done. When Jesus Christ ascended back to heaven, he sat down. Why did he sit down? because it's already done. If it wasn't done, there was no need for him to sit down because his work would have been unfinished. But when he passed away, he said what? It is it's finished. Not oh, hey, there's some things I still have to do. The future is done. Your healing is done. And he died over 2,000 years ago. That's what I mean by the future. He died for me. He died for my healing. He died for my salvation. He died to give me the right to receive the Holy Spirit, to be planted right here, ministering this word to you. It was in his, in my past, but the future. A lot, of, a lot of times what hinders us from being able to receive this concept here is pride. It's one among many things that hinders faith and people's belief in it and understanding of it. We know that the enemy, the adversary, Satan, the adversary, blinds people's minds. So that way they do not come into the knowledge of the truth. But pride is one thing that does that as well. Pride hinders people's acceptance of faith because they receive things that, or they're, they're not able to receive it because it's not something that they can grasp a hold of. It's not tangible to them. Remember, God living outside of this 
this this this uh, space of time here. I'm going to keep reflecting back to that. That God lives outside of that. That's not something that we can comprehend. It's not fathomable for us, for something or for someone to live outside of time. Because once again, as I mentioned, we have a shelf life. We 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 have this concept of it. Okay, because the word of God says what faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we have this concept of, of faith, okay, because we read the word of God or we hear the word of God. But it's hard for us to think on these things for those that are new in Christ or for those that have not been saved and accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior because it's not something that's tangible. And even some of us that are Christians it's still hard for us to accept faith in certain areas of our, of our life because it isn't tangible. So pride, pride puts this roadblock there because it allows the individual to be, to be, to, to have them to think that they're the, the driver of the train. We're, we're, we're the master of our own ship. I have one here. <clears throat> Uh, about pride, pride and faith, they don't go together. Pride is the enemy to faith. Pride is, a, is carnal, it's flesh. It deals with self-reliance and self-accomplishment. There's a, a passage in the uh, scripture that I want us to take a look at very briefly. And it's in 2 Kings, the fifth chapter, verse eight through 14. 2 Kings 8 through 14. And as you turn to that scripture, there was a, uh, a captain of a guard, a Syrian guard. His name is Naaman, okay? And uh, he had leprosy. The Assyrian or Syrian, rather, uh, king had wrote a letter, correspondence to the Israel king asking him to heal uh, his captain of the guard, Naaman. Well, the Israel-like uh, king tore his clothes and rent his, his garment. And basically the reason why he was doing that was saying, okay, my God, that I should be able to heal this man, you know, it's blasphemous uh, to, to him for someone to say, hey, you heal him. I don't have that authority to do that or the ability to do that. You know, he was saying that he was putting him in so many words in the place of God. Well, Eli, Sha uh, gets a wind of this and he tells, uh, sends word to the king and tell them, hey, to tell Naaman, hey, to come to me, is it, you know, that he would know that there is a prophet in the land and, you know, let me bring this matter to the Lord. So verse eight reads, and it was so when Elisha, the man of God had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes that he sent to the king saying, wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Why did you do this? Let him come now to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him. He didn't go, he sent the messenger saying, go and wash in, in Jordan seven times and thy flesh shall come again to thee and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth, he was mad. 
and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord as God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Ebonai and Farpar, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then when he saith to thee, wash and be clean. Then, verse 14, went he down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a child, and he was clean. May the Lord once again add a blessing to the reading of his word. Naaman was a captain of a guard. He was a man of honor, a man of valor, a man of stature. Um, I'm sure he had a nice place to live in and servants waiting on him. As you've seen there, the servant had, had made the mention to him, if he would have told you to do something different, you would have done it. So why not do this? So he's used to people waiting on him and doing things for him. And he didn't want to be, uh, he didn't want to wash in the Jordan because the Jordan was a dirty river. Uh, the animals washed there and bathed there. They washed their clothes, you know, there. It wasn't the cleanest of rivers. So pride got in his way. He couldn't see it because his pride was blinding him. That's one of the things that happens to us in regards to faith. Faith can't have a distraction. It's just a ripple. It can't have a distraction when it comes to when it comes to faith. You need to be assured that what you're having faith in will come to pass. God wants us to have faith that I have in if anything, like the title of the message is, He wants us to have faith in His sight. I've already worked this out. I've already got it done. If you don't have faith in anything else, then have faith in my sight. Have faith in my sight. Have faith that I know what I'm doing. Have faith that I've already worked this out. Have faith that I am going to heal you. Even though you can't see it, it doesn't mean that it's not within my sight. Naaman couldn't see it. Pride was in his way. It wasn't that Elisha couldn't have went to him and said, you're healed. Or he could have just have asked the Lord to heal him from where he was at. Or could have done exactly what he said. Let's go to the river uh, in Damascus, those two rivers, uh, Abinai and Farpar, and then wash there. Or just once again, just re return back home and on your way back, it'll be, uh, the leprosy will be gone. But God knew pride was something that was standing in his way from him receiving his blessing or his healing. This is what hindered him. And it hinders a lot of us. How often have you allowed pride to get in your way and standing away from healing? 
God wants us to believe in his sight. Look at Paul on the road to Damascus in Acts the ninth chapter, right? And that's a very, another uh, familiar passage to us. Paul was an individual at the time, his name was Saul, who used to crucify Christians, who bring, gathered these Christians up to be crucified and killed. And he was, he was a man of compassion and conviction in what he was doing, very assured that his, his charge was true and just and in the name of the Lord. On this road going to Damascus, Paul obviously was met by, and I say obviously because of the transition that I was talking about, Saul was met by, uh, well, the Lord met Saul on the road to Damascus, um, tells Saul that he was going to be one of his mighty uh, warriors for him in spreading the gospel and that he needed to go to Damascus and then uh, look for a man named Ananias. So he was stricken blind. The people around him could not hear anything, but they seen it. But uh, Paul was blind, or Saul was blind nonetheless. So he gets to Damascus in the city, right? While he is in the city, Ananias, uh, before this happens, God speaks to Ananias and lets him know, hey, Saul is going to be coming to you, and I need for you to lay hands on him and to recover his sight. He is going to be a, a mighty warrior, a mighty man of, uh, of, of valor for me in spreading the gospel. Well, Ananias doesn't want to do it because of the history of, of Saul and the and, and, and his viciousness towards uh, the Christians. But the Lord tells Ananias, look, he is, he, is, he is my chosen vessel. I need for you to have faith in my sight. So Saul uh, comes to him and Ananias lays hand on him and he tells him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for him to receive his sight. And the word says that his, he received the sight, it was like scales falling off of his eyes. What that was, was God was replacing his eyesight for his sight. God was replacing his eyesight for his sight. God wants us to let your natural way of thinking, your the way you would have done this or the way you would have gone about it, or if I was you, I would have done this, or if I was this person, I would have done this. God wants us to let that go. And I want you to have faith in my sight. Have faith in my sight. Look at Peter. Another famous passage for, for most of us. Peter was a man that had conviction as well. But there were some things in his life he did not have total faith in. Some things he did show extreme amount of courage and faith in. One of those things he did not show uh, extreme amount of courage and faith in was in standing with the Lord during the tough times. He said he did, he said he would. He even, 
you know, was very adamant about it. And the Lord looked at him and told him, you know, before the rooster crows uh, three times, you will, you will deny me. And he did. And he remembered that. He did not have faith that even though this adversity was going to happen, even though things would be turned upside down, that what the Lord had told him, having faith in him, that the devil was looking to sit them as we, but have faith, I prayed for you. He didn't have that faith because he was still seeing things naturally. He didn't have his sight. When Peter walked on water and he did a lot of other uh, miraculous things. Most of those testimonies there happening after Christ had ascended in heaven. Him walking on water was as long as he had his eyes on the Lord. It was easy for him to have that faith because he kept his eyes on the Lord. The real testament to his faith was when the Lord had ascended. Now, can you still have faith in my sight? Sometimes it's easy for us to have faith when I can see something, but is that faith? It was faith enough, stretched strong enough, or it was, it was, it was valiant enough for him to be able to get out to do it? It was. Look at the rest of the disciples that stayed in the boat. They didn't get out. But Peter did have enough belief that if I step out, and as long as I keep my eyes on him, I believe that I will step out on solid, on a solid ground or water, and I will be able to walk and nothing will harm me. And he was able to do it. Did he have faith? In what he was doing, yes. He had faith. As long as he kept his eyes on the Lord, he could do it. But then you, we noticed that his sight came back and he took his sight off of his sight. So what I want to press upon your, your heart uh, today, uh, saints, is that as long as we let our eyesight go and concentrate on his sight, we can accomplish anything. You can have healing because you're looking through his sight. You're looking and seeing that it's done, that there's nothing that he would hold from you because he loves you. There's nothing that he wouldn't give to you that wouldn't be the best for you. If he doesn't give it to you, it's because it's not the best for you. If you don't have it, it's because either one of two things, really can be three, but two things. One is that the timing isn't right. Two, it's not the right thing for you. Timing isn't right, meaning that there's some things that have to happen before this happens. There's some other pieces that are being played, some other scenarios or situations rather that, that have to happen before this happens. And then the second one is, that it's not right for you. If God gave us everything that we wanted, look at the situation in which we would be in. That wouldn't be a just God. We don't do it to our own children. 
So why would our Heavenly Father do it to us? You've heard a lot of messages <clears throat> in regards to faith, a lot. What I wanted to leave you with in regards to this message is God has it already worked out. You just have to believe in his sight and stop putting God into a linear space. God doesn't work linearly. Actually, God plays or has already played, the way I like to say it, is the movie backwards. That's what Isaiah 46 and 10, I'm calling the end from the beginning. I've already played the whole movie out. I know how it ends. I am just now showing you these bits and pieces of it, allowing you to have a glimpse. When we prophesy, yes, we know it's exhortation. When, when the prophets of old, they prophesied, they prophesied about what? The future. They were speaking it now that these things are going to happen because what God has already orchestrated these things. When God spoke to the prophet, go and tell them, this is what's going to happen. It wasn't that God was waiting for these things to manifest. They were already manifested. You're just walking into it. It's like a, 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 a pothole. It's already there. You're just trying to catch up to it. And that's what I meant earlier in the message when I say that we're just trying to catch up to the future. So if you can look and put you know, things into this context, it helps us to have a little bit more courage and understanding about what faith is. It's already done. It's already done. God calls the end from the beginning. The movie has already been played. Are things going to get fast forwarded up to then? No, because there's certain events that have to happen before we get there. Saints, be encouraged. Be encouraged. Be encouraged that the Lord has already worked it out. I would be, I would be remiss if I didn't say that there aren't times in my life that I need to that I have to continue to pray so that I can strengthen my faith. I do not have all faith. I read my word of God and I have faith in what I'm reading. And then I ask the Lord to give me strength. Then I go into fasting, which is another message. But then I go into fasting, which helps us to get rid of this sight and to concentrate more on his sight, the word of God, his sight. Fasting is a good way of doing that. Saints, I ask that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I ask for you to take one step in faith. Take one step in faith. Do what I did many, many years ago and say, Lord, if you're real, prove it. Prove it. If you're real, God, prove to me that you're real. Show me. Saints, have you ever heard 
brothers, anyone ever say that they're sorry for believing in Jesus Christ? I've never heard it. I've never heard one person saying that. It's like someone saying that they're sorry for having abs, right? They're sorry that they, maybe they don't have them or haven't taken care of their bodies. But no one has ever said that they're sorry for believing in Jesus Christ. I'm asking you to take one step, a step in faith. I'm asking you to close your sight and allow the Lord to give you his sight. Close your eyes and repeat after me. Jesus, if you are real, prove it to me. Show me you. I admit that I've made a mess of my life. I admit that I have sinned. I admit that if I die, I do not know if I would make it or if I would go to heaven. I ask you to come into my heart and show me that you're real. I accept you right now from what I heard by faith. I accept right now from what I heard and from what I know, your Holy Spirit by faith. I ask you in the name of Jesus Christ to show me you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, amen. Now, it's just that simple. There are many different prayers of salvation, many different ways people pray, you know, or ask uh, individuals to pray to, to accept the Lord Jesus Christ into their heart. But the reason that I ask that of individuals is because it's what I did. Lord, I didn't know if he was real. So I want you to prove to me that you're real, Lord. I accept what I've, what I've heard and I accept you into my heart. I admit that I made a mess of my life. I admit that I sinned. I had admitted that I didn't know if I would go to heaven. If there was a heaven I didn't admit, I couldn't say that I would make it there. So I'll accept you. Come into my heart and I'll make you my Lord and my Savior. Show me that you're real. And here I am now. Over 27 years later, here I am. So if you prayed that prayer, we believe that you got saved and that you're born again. And that if you were to pass away, that your life now would be eternally with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in heaven. You're saved. Now, the next thing for you to do, as you've heard, I'm pretty sure, from individuals before, get yourself into a church. Get around the saints. Find your mentor. I'm Bishop Giovanni Robinson, Sr., the senior pastor for Divine Connection Community Church and the jurisdictional bishop for the state of Florida for Divine Covenant Fellowship of Churches. God bless.